Amen. Thank you, Judy. We are in Exodus chapter 3. I'm going to read the first 10 verses for our message tonight. Titled, Freedom Through Obedience. God sets us free as we follow Him. Um, that's when you find that. Stand in God's honor as I read aloud from His Word. Now, Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. He led the flock to the far side of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, Moses called to him from within the bush. Moses, Moses, and Moses said, Here I am. (laughs) Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this Moses hid his face, because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, Jebusites, Termites. I added that one. Um, And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my father, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Let's pray. Father, thank you for appearing to Moses. Father, something that seems strange, but yet it was just you reminding him, Father, of your forgiveness and your presence and how you restore Father, you don't just destroy, you restore. I thank you for that truth and how you're still at that work today. Father, I just ask you, just uh, continue to show yourself to us with what remains of this time together. In Christ's name we pray, amen. A couple of years ago in Texarkana, there was a mom and her 11-year-old son who walked outside and saw a snake in their yard. They were terrified. So they went to the garage. They got a can of gasoline, poured gasoline on that snake, and set the snake on fire. There's only one problem. The snake did not stay where it was laying, but laid underneath a bush. And the bush caught on fire, and their house caught on fire. And uh, unfortunately, they were not able to save their house and even caught part of the neighbor's house on fire. Here, we have an instance of a snake. Not a a snake, but a bush. (laughs) I've got my my head mixed up here. Uh, We have a bush that is on fire, but God is actually in the fire. And the bush does not burn up, but God is at work in that manner. And, and as we look at our section of Scripture here, I want to come to the point in starting out that God was trying to wake up Moses. 
He was trying to get his attention. He was trying to remind him. Think back about Moses. He was a young man who discovered he was a Hebrew, but he was being groomed to be a Pharaoh. He was being groomed to be a a leader. But when he found out who he was, um, he was terribly shaken. You see, he started out as a somebody who knew he was a somebody. And in the process of that, when he learned that he was actually a Hebrew, he came and he got involved in a way he shouldn't have been involved and he killed a man, then he tried to hide his sin. And then he was discovered, and and you remember what happened to him, He, he fled. He took off running. And he ended up in the middle of nowhere, in the desert. And he ended up starting a whole new life. He was undercover, you know, um, starting a new identity. And so he became, he went from a somebody who knew he was a somebody to a somebody who knew he was a nobody. Years passed as he was out in the desert. And one day, as he had his flock, he saw a strange sight. He saw this bush that was on fire, but the bush was not being consumed And it's interesting here as we look in the scripture, verse 2, it tells us the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. God was seeking to get Moses' attention. Moses was God's child. He was unable to forgive himself for his past. And so he started off on a new venture Trying to hide. Thinking that his old life. There was no chance for him to be a leader. There was no chance for him to be used of God again. In in that manner. And and now he believes God has set him on the back side of the desert. In a job where he would not be noticed. Instead of a job where he was noticed all the time. But that was not God's plan. As God was trying to get a hold of his heart. At first he was just curious and he came upon that bush. And and as he came upon that bush, he saw that it was the Lord. The the Lord was in that bush. And and the Lord was there to get his attention and and to speak in him and show him that his days were not over. God is still in that business. What what do they say? The skeletons in the closet. Um... Most of us have something we certainly don't want to broadcast, something that we may not be proud of. But I am so grateful that God says that when he forgives, he forgives. He does not hold on to those sins, but he gives us a new start. And I love that fact that he has chosen to redeem. I love that word redeem. Redeemed and so happy in Jesus. He takes us who are broken and He decides to mend us. He decides to make us new. He doesn't discard us and start all over again, but He redeems. And and this is the truth He's trying to pass on to Moses. As Moses approaches that bush and he sees that it's not on fire and that he's at work. And and notice what he says to him. He he speaks to him um, in... Verse 7, and he says, um, 
I've seen the misery of my people in Egypt. He's heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. And he's concerned about their suffering. So he speaks to Moses. He says, I see the pain that is present among the people. And what's he say? Verse 8, he says, I've come to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians. And he says, I've come to bring them into a land that's good and that's spacious. A land with flowing with milk and honey. He says that it's the cry of the Israelites has reached me. And I've seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So God says, I'm going to free my people. And Moses is saying, that is great, God. I, I, I'm all for it. But I don't know if he was all for the next part. <laughs> Verse 10. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. And notice verse 11, Moses said, who am I that I should go? Moses is is stuck in his past. He believes he's washed up. He believes that God could no longer use him. And the beauty of this passage is that God redeems. God When we come to Him with a humble heart, when we come to Him and repent, when we come to Him seriously seeking Him, He gives us a fresh start. He he loves us and He doesn't discard us. And and that's what we learn on God's terms. God's terms of setting us free. And, And aren't you grateful? He didn't have to, but He freed His people from Egypt. He didn't have to, but He freed us as people from our sins. From our mess. From oh, from what separates us from Him and what separates us from each other, He chose to forgive us. We, it, most people and ourselves at times too, we fall into this belief that surely it's my good works. You know, I I used to think before I became a a believer, it it had to be like a giant scale, you know. And the deal was, my good works, you know, all I have to do, you die, your good works just have to be more than this side, you know, the sin. But the truth of the matter is, guys, it's not a scale, it's not a balancing act. And how much good is good enough? See, that's the problem. With the idea of a balancing scale anyway. How much good is good enough. When you're talking about a holy God. That says that he and sin. Do not coexist. That he is holy. That he is set apart. Which means that the balancing act doesn't work. We have to be totally forgiven of our sin. There's not enough good that we can do. In order to earn God's favor. It it doesn't work that way. Titus 3.5 says. God saved us, not because of the righteous things we've done, but according to His mercy. Secondly, uh, He freed us because of promise. Notice verse 6. He said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Moses realized it was God and he was humbled. He was afraid because of the holiness of God. But God said, hey, this deliverance that I'm bringing, it's a promise. 
And I am grateful. Second Corinthians chapter one, verse 20 says that all of God's promises in Jesus Christ are yes. All of them. I'm not saved because I feel saved. I'm saved because God promised that he would send a Messiah. And Jesus came and he died. And and he was buried and he rose from the grave. And he sits at the right hand of the Father. And by trusting in him, there is salvation. Not according to how I feel about it, but according to his promise being fulfilled. It's, it's, It's not about our emotions it's about the truth that he's promised us. Numbers twenty three nineteen, God is not a human being and he will not lie. He is not a human and he does not change his mind. What he says he will do, he does. What he promises, he makes come true. That's from the New Century Version. God can be trusted regardless of our state of mind. Um, Martin Luther wrote a poem that went like this. Feelings come and feelings go and feelings are deceiving. My strength is in the word of God. Not else is worth believing. There are times where the emotions just aren't there. There are times where we just have to muddle through that and continue to trust in God. And in those times he carries us through. Because it's not a matter of just feelings or emotions. It's a matter of depending upon God's truth, what he tells us, and that that is a safe place to be. And then one last one I spent some time on here. Um, The freedom that he gives us is to be set apart for his service. It's to be holy. Look at uh, verse 5 here. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals. For the place where you are standing is holy ground. God calls us to be holy. The word means to be set apart. We belong to him. Do we look like it? Do we act like it? Do we sound like it? And that's the that's the goal. God says, be holy because I am holy. That is the call that he gives to us. Um, The closer we get to God with his light, the more we're able to see. Um, I always think of Psalm 139, how it ends. David says, search me, O God, know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there be any wicked way within me and lead me in the way everlasting. And I always picture it like, the Holy Spirit's like a big searchlight that just floods in and, you know, it says that men love the darkness because of their sin. And when the light shines on you, uh-oh, there's the sin. And God brings it to light so that it can be seen. Anne Graham Lotz uh, talked about her mother, Ruth Graham, uh, and she loved clean. And one day she, she was getting her house ready for company to come over and she went over, Ann went over to help her mom clean house, and they worked all day to get the house spotless. But when they pulled up the window shade, and the sun came in the house, in the corner of the room was a huge spider web that they had missed in the darkness. 
But when the light came through, they could see it. Of course, they got it down. When God shines his spirit on our hearts, we begin to see things that before we didn't see. As he begins to set us apart, as he begins to use us for his purposes, he begins to show us what he is like and what he calls us to be like in his work and what he does um, in being set apart for his glory and for his holiness so that a sinful world can see God in us. George Orwell once said, on the whole, human beings want to be good, but not too good and not quite all the time. (laughs) A lot of truth to that. But as God begins to work in us, he begins to change us. Excuses begin to fall by the wayboard. Uh, Maybe you've heard this, but I'll share it anyway. It's excuses for not going to church. To make it possible for everyone to attend church this Sunday, we're going to have a special No Excuse Sunday. Cots will be placed in the foyer for those who say Sunday is my only day to sleep in. There will be a special section with lounge chairs for those who feel our pews are too hard. Eye drops will be available for those with tired eyes from watching TV late Saturday night. We will have steel helmets for those who say the roof would cave in if I ever came to church. Blankets will be furnished for those who think the church is too cold and fans for those who say it's too hot. Scoreboards will be available for those who wish to list the hypocrites present. Relatives and friends will be in attendance for those who can't go to church and cook dinner too. We will distribute stamp out stewardship buttons for those that feel church is always asking for money. One section will be devoted to trees and grass for those who like to seek God in nature. Doctors and nurses will be in attendance for those who plan to be sick on Sunday. The sanctuary will be decorated with both Christmas poinsettias and Easter lilies for those who have never seen the church without them. (laughs) And we will provide hearing aids for those who can't hear the preacher and cotton wool for those who think he's too loud. Excuses. Holiness means we refuse to accept excuses. We want to be set apart for God. And so we want to be honest and open enough to Him that when He reveals to us through the searchlight of His Holy Spirit our sin, that we deal with it instead of making excuses. Now, you know, we've all heard excuses. Excuses like, um, well, I'm only human. You've been redeemed. Excuses like, uh, excuse my French. Excuses like, well, I'm a man. I've got to look at that woman. Holiness means, God, help me be honest. Give me the power and the strength by your Holy Spirit to deal with this temptation, whatever it may be. Show me, God, what I'm doing that displeases you, that breaks your heart, that separates me from a close walk with you. And give me the strength, Father, to not make an excuse, but to deal with it. That's spiritual maturity. That's the kind of stuff that God wants to do. That's when it becomes holy ground, when we see Him with an honest look and dealing with our sin and and being honest before Him. Hebrews 12.29 tells us our God is a consuming fire. I thought it was interesting here, um, as we read in verse 2, it says, Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. God lives within 
your heart, if you're a believer in Christ Jesus, as a consuming fire, he doesn't burn up your heart. But he burns up that within your heart that prevents you from walking with him. That's holiness. That's set apart. It's not something that we achieve. It comes by a love to him. By simply asking him, God, uh, show me. Help me to see, God. And then give me the strength. Uh, As was said a couple of times, uh, Judy, uh, yes. Say yes. I love that 1 Corinthians 10, 13. I think I told you guys it was the first verse I ever memorized. You know, I was a... 16-year-old uh, boy and I had lots of temptations. Said, Lord, help me. But 1 Corinthians 10, 13, No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. You're not the only one out there being tempted, guys. <laughs> and God is faithful. Isn't that good? He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. Thank you, Lord. And He will provide you a way out so you can stand up under it. Thank you, Lord, for the escape exit. So God, show me that escape exit is the prayer uh, that he gives us. Let's pray. Lord, uh, thank you for your word. Thank you, Father. You didn't have to, but you chose to deliver us, to set us free, to strengthen us, to say no to sin. Father, you're so kind in the way you've reached out and you've you've loved us, Father. It was because of your choice. You're the one that awakes us, Father. We tend to slumber. I pray for myself. I pray for my brothers and sisters here. Father, wake us up where we may be asleep. Help us to see where sin may be ruling. And Father, give us the strength that you may take charge of ground that is not holy that your consuming fire may shine and that others might see Jesus where once they were not able to see him. Uh, Father, we just pray as we prepare to sing that we would say yes to whatever your call is. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Let's stand together. Jesus paid it all.